the uh, portion of God's Word that I will be utilizing for our sermon this morning is Mark chapter 12, verses 41 through 44. Mark chapter 12, verses 41 through 44. I'll read uh, this section of God's Word now, and I'll be uh, utilizing the older New International Version. Mark 12, starting at verse 41. Jesus sat down opposite the place where the offerings were put, and watched the crowd putting their money into the temple treasury. Many rich people threw in large amounts, but a poor widow came and put in two very small copper coins worth only a fraction of a penny. Calling his disciples to him, Jesus said, I tell you the truth, or verily, verily, this poor widow has put more into the treasury than all the others. They all gave out of their wealth, but she, out of her poverty, put in everything, all she had to live on. This is God's word. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, use this story that you have put in your word about this godly woman. Use it in our lives, for your honor. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's imagine for the next 30 minutes that we are new Christians. We have just recently been enabled by the Holy Spirit to turn from our sins and trust in Jesus Christ, to receive him as our Savior and Lord. What new truths do these verses we have just read teach us? We are now new creatures, new babes in Christ Jesus, We are hungry for God's word. What lessons can we take with us from this story in God's word of the widow's offering? From this incident which took place during Holy Week. Lesson number one. The eyes of Christ are upon us. Our Lord watches us. He observes how we live 
for God. See again the first sentence of verse 41 of Mark 12. Jesus sat down opposite the place where the offerings were put and watched the crowd putting their money into the temple treasury. We live before the gaze of Jesus Christ. I am not the only one who thinks our story teaches us this. J.C. Ryle, in his comments on this part of God's word, has written, we learn for one thing from these verses how keenly our Lord Jesus Christ observes the things that are done upon earth. I first met R.C. Sproul as a student in college. He came to Gordon College as a professor, and I had him for a course in theology in my senior year. R.C. was asked to speak in chapel on one occasion, not only before the student body, but also before the faculty and administration. As a young professor in his 20s, that was no light responsibility. Someone asked him if he was nervous. How did he feel about speaking in front of such a group? His reply was this, the thing which concerns me is not the students and the faculty and the administration. Rather, it is someone else. It is the Lord Jesus. Ultimately, I am speaking in the presence of him. That's our first lesson. We live before the gaze of Jesus Christ. He observes how we live for God when we are at work, when we are in the home, when we are at school. He observes how we live for God when we are in athletic competition, when we are involved in a hobby, when we are all alone, we live in the presence of Christ. Two thoughts have come to my mind in light of our first lesson. The thoughts are encouragement and the fear of the Lord. We live in the presence of Christ, encouragement, and the fear of the Lord. Let me go over those two thoughts. A, 
encouragement. The Lord sees our attempts to live for Him. He sees our striving to honor Him. Though no one else may, the Lord does, and He is pleased. That should be an encouragement to us. The widow's offering at the temple of two very small copper coins worth only a fraction of a penny no doubt went unnoticed except for one person. The only person that really matters, the Lord Jesus. He saw, he received, and he was pleased. He called his disciples to himself, and he spoke to them about her. Don't ever feel that your life for the Lord is nothing, that it does not matter, that it is not important. It is. Our Lord sees it, and it is honoring and pleasing to Him. And we never know how the Lord will use our lives to touch others for His honor. Ian Murray is one of my favorite speakers and one of my favorite authors. I have a number of his books and tapes in my library. A number of years ago, Ian Murray was interviewed by Table Talk Magazine. One of the questions Table Talk Magazine asked him was this, who are some of the people you have learned from the most in your ministry? Here's his answer. I owe a great debt to many people. In my university years, there was no one who impressed me more as a Christian than Sarah Cochrane, a Salvation Army woman who washed the floors in our college and had to live with a drunken husband. We never know how the Lord will use our lives to touch others. We live before the gaze of Christ, encouragement. Second thought, be the fear of the Lord. There will be times when we will be tempted to do evil. Words like temptation, trial, testing occur more than 200 times in the Bible. There will be times when performing wrong will strongly grab us. Remember, your Lord Jesus is present. His eyes are on you. He is watching 
you. Don't do it. When I was in eighth grade, I had a friend who somehow got the answers to our math exams. And test after test, my friend Mark received an excellent grade through cheating. Who knew? Who saw? The Lord did. And the Lord, I believe, had my friend get caught to teach him that. We live before the face of our God. Revere and love and obey him. Don't dishonor him with sin. Jonathan Edwards once wrote, resolved never to give over nor in the least to slacken my fight with my corruptions. Never to give over nor in the least to slacken my fight with my corruptions. We live before the face of God. May that help us in reference to that battle in our lives. Lesson number two. We are to give ourselves, we are to give our lives fully to the Lord Jesus. That's one of the things I see from the widow of our story. When she went to the temple and put into the temple treasury, verse 44, everything, all she had to live on, she was picturing for us the principle that we are to commit all of ourselves to the Lord. We are to give ourselves completely to him, not just a part of ourselves, nor most of ourselves, nor even all of ourselves most of the time. We are to give our lives fully to the Lord all of the time. A number of years ago, I had the privilege of speaking to a man about the Lord Jesus. I explained to him the good news of forgiveness of sins and eternal life through repenting and trusting in the Lord Jesus as Savior and Lord. The man went on to say to me that he didn't want to make Jesus Christ his Lord. He would perhaps follow Christ sometimes, but he still wanted to be in charge of his own life. I told him that as long as he wanted to be that way, he could never become a Christian. He would never be a child of God. Was I wrong in communicating that to him? I have communicated that to you a multitude of times. 
Have I been wrong in doing that? Can one partially give himself or herself to Christ? No. We are to give ourselves fully to the Lord Jesus. And the widow in our story pictures that lesson for us at the temple through her offering. Look with me at Luke 14, please. Luke chapter 14, verses 25, 26, and then 33. Luke 14, verses 25 and 26. Large crowds were traveling with Jesus. And turning to them, he said, If anyone comes to me and does not hate his father and mother, his wife and children, his brothers and sisters, yes, even his own life, he cannot be my disciple. Let's pause. What, what's our Lord saying here? Love for him is to be paramount. Other loves are not to measure up. Commitment to him is to be chief. Commitment to anything else is not to compare. Verse 33. In the same way, any of you who does not give up everything he has cannot be my disciple. You've heard this phrase before. I'll say it because it's true. Christianity is radical. It requires an absolute commitment. All of me, everything about me is to be given to Christ. Isaac Watts put it this way in one of his hymns. Love so amazing, so divine, demands my soul, my life, my all. Nothing less is accepted. Look at Luke chapter 9, verses 59 through 62. Luke 9, 59 through 62. As, as Jesus was, was walking along the road, he said to a man, verse 59, follow me. But the man replied, Lord, first, let me go and bury my father. Jesus said to him, let the dead bury their own dead, but you go and proclaim the kingdom of God. More important than anything else is doing what Jesus commands, 
No qualification allowed, no condition, no reservation, just obedience to him. We go on. Still another said, I will follow you, Lord, but first, let me go back and say goodbye to my family. Jesus replied, no one who puts his hand to the plow and looks back is fit for service in the kingdom of God. Our lives are to be thoroughly engaged with Christ, no divided heart. Christianity requires an absolute commitment, and that's our second lesson of today. Let's check ourselves out concerning our commitment to Christ. If Christ would make it plain to us that there are some things in our lives that are displeasing to him, would we correct them? Would we deal with them for his honor? If Christ's will for us is to have us give more to his cause financially, would we receive that will joyfully? If Christ would call one or more of our children out of the United States, away from family to serve him thousands of miles away, would we embrace that and encourage our children in reference to that? If Christ wanted us to give more of our hours over to serving him in his church, but we wanted to do something else with those hours, would we obey him? Someone has said, the lack of absolute commitment by professing believers to Jesus Christ is one of the crying sins of the day. And one of the worst signs of our times. May we not be guilty of this lukewarmness. The last lesson this morning is lesson number three. The care of our lives is in the hands of our Lord. Perhaps a question we might ask is, if we radically give ourselves to the Lord Jesus, if we commit ourselves wholeheartedly to him, who will care for us? Who will be concerned about us and our family? Answer, the Lord Jesus will. Someone who is far better at that than we ourselves are, our Lord Jesus.
The widow in our story put everything into the temple treasury, meaning she put in all that she had to live on for that day or perhaps for that week. For she knew that her Lord would take care of her. He is worthy, and she knew that he could be counted on to care for her. Notice Psalm 37, verse 25. Psalm 37, verse 25. This verse comes from David, evidently toward the end of his life. It comes from David after he had lived a full number of years. In it, he he wants to tell us something he has seen during his many years. Verse 25. I was young, and now I am old. Yet, I have never seen the righteous forsaken or their children begging bread. Going back to my college days, another chapel service, Dr. Bill Lane, a professor from uh, the seminary uh, that was on the campus, uh, he spoke on this very verse that I've just read to you. And in speaking to us, young collegians who had a life ahead of us, he said to us, I was young, but now I'm old, and I want you to know, in all my years, I have never seen the righteous neglected. I have never seen God's people forgotten. As David wrote in another psalm, with the Lord is my shepherd, I have all that I need. That has been your experience, has it not? Our Lord has always been with you. Oh, I'm not saying we didn't have difficult times. I'm not saying that we didn't suffer I'm not saying that we didn't go through tribulations, but he has always been with us. He has always cared for us. He has never failed us or forsaken us. We have had all that we have needed, have we not? Lesson number three. Let me put it in the words of Matthew 6, 33. Seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. It's been quite a while since I've mentioned the person David Livingston. Let me remind you of David Livingston here if you really get turned on to wanting to know more about David Livingston. Dr. Kemp would be most happy to talk to you about him. David Livingston was a missionary to Africa. 
giving himself wholly to the Lord Jesus meant for him go to Africa for Christ. When he went, no one knew what existed beyond the coast of Africa. It was thought that from the south to the north, Africa was one huge, unpopulated desert. But David Livingston went and he spent 39 years in Africa. While there, he, he traveled some 29,000 miles, leaving a path of footprints from the south to the north and from the east to the west. While there, he was enabled to bring the gospel to two million Africans, although his ministry in Africa was an incredibly hard one. Do you want to know what sustained him? What kept him going in the midst of his difficulties and toils and hardships? I can tell you because he has told us, listen to his words. It was a promise. The promise of a gentleman of the most sacred honor. It was this promise. Lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the world. It was the promise of Christ in Matthew 28, verse 20, to be with him and care for him. What can sustain us? What can keep us going as we wholeheartedly give ourselves to the Lord Jesus? Surely, I will be with you always, even to the end of the world. Lesson number three, the care of our lives is in the hands of our Lord Jesus. Let me repeat our lessons from the story of the widow's offering. Number one, the eyes of Christ are upon us. And that should bring encouragement and it should also produce a proper fear of the Lord. Two, we are to give ourselves fully to him. We're not to water down our commitment to him. We're not to be lukewarm. We are to be completely his. And then three, he will take care of us as we do that. He can be trusted to be with us always. Let us pray.